this idea of uh, you know like everything that can be seen felt, taste, touched or thought of all those things they have a limitation that they can't transcend which is the highest level they can reach is appearance yeah it can only appear to be so. Just like in recovery, it says in one of the forwards that we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly, the definition of it is it appears to be true or false to you. That explains everything here, really. If you heard that, it would explain everything. Yeah. In a sense, everything appears to be true or false to you. Yeah. So, everything... The sense of self is an appearance, yeah? It's a felt sense of appearance, yeah? Identified with a body that can be seen if you look in a mirror or a reflection. That sense of self can only reach a limit of appearance. It can only seem to be so. It can't transcend and become so, yeah? Because there's only one reality here, and that's what's seen. Everything that's being seen is unreal in a sense. It's being given meaning by what's real. Yeah? So what's real can give something that isn't so the meaning of being so. So, But it can only reach the level of seemingly so. It can't transcend and become anything. Yeah? Because it isn't anything. Because it isn't anything, it can't become something. It can only seem to be. Yeah? And what is cannot unbecome what it is. It can only seem not to be that. Yeah? It can never lose that quality. No matter how much reality gives anything else, it never leaves, loses the sense of reality that it's in itself. Yeah? In and of itself is the only reality. Yeah? It can give tons of meaning to things, and things can seem real, but it needs to have someone looking at it and that one, or that, what is looking is what's giving the meaning to what's being looked at. Yeah. So the only reality in that experience is what's looking. Not, what, not what's being seen, not what's being heard, not what's being felt, not what's being tasted, not, not what's being touched. There is no reality in any of that. Yeah? The reality that it seems to have is lent to it by what's real which is the scene. And you and I are that. We are at the point of what's so, making things that aren't so seeming to be so. We're right there all day. Yeah. So our solution looks exactly like the problem in a way. It's right at the same location. Yeah. You don't have to look any further. That's why St. Francis, I believe, would say a simple statement, like, what's looking is what you're looking for. It doesn't say who's looking. It says what's looking. What's looking right now is what you're looking for, because what's looking is the only reality. Here, there's no other reality than what's looking. There's never going to be, there never was, and never will be. It can't reach a point of reality. It can't arise. It cannot rise above or match what's seeing it. What's seeing it is giving everything all the meaning it has. That's why what we call an experience here is subjectified. Yeah, because 
the mind's giving everything different meanings all day, based on a lot of different uh, conditional, circumstantial, uh, DNA-ish type of information, let's say. Yeah? So, the undifferentiated light moves through this little activity here called living, Paul, and it differentiates. And the sa- it's the same light, but now it looks different. Yeah? It takes a different form. But the only reality is the formless light. And we are the seeing of all of that. Every moment. That's why, you know, Monday you can have, if you're not feeling well, something can be a big problem to you. Lots of meaning is given to it. A huge dance occurs, how to dance around it, how to manipulate it, how to control it, how to play God with it, how to avoid it, how to disassociate, all these failed systems, because you can't get rid of something that isn't so. It can just, it's never going to be gone, it can be removed, basically. (laughs) It goes, it can have a very strong appearance, and then it loses that sense of strong appearance, and it seems to disappear. That's all it can do. Yeah? based on what's seeing it. So one day you're not feeling well, yeah, and so this thing is a big freaking problem. Yeah, you wrestle with it, you try to avoid it, you smoke over it, you eat some ice cream around it, whatever it is, you know, make call up a lot of people about it, and this and that. Yeah, whatever it is, you know, all about great methods of trying to get relief. <laughs> then the next day you're feeling pretty good it's not a problem anymore <laughs> wow how did that happen <laughs> I pray to something so no it was you really but you know if you want to go the indirect route pray to some idea to relieve you that will work because it's you yeah inevitably it has to work because if you conjure up a god, that god has the possibility of working for you because you're the god that conjured it up. <laughs> yeah, so it has the ability to do it. If you just have a belief, then it works. Yeah. Why is that? If it was that real power, you wouldn't need even to believe it. It'd be working no matter what. But it doesn't seem to be the case, does it? It seems a lot has to do with us, you know? That's why there's a great Zen treatise, Faith Mind, where... He talks about these beautiful statements about the clarity of the oneness, but he says, but if you hold preferences, you won't see it. You know? So he describes the incredible allness and everywhereness of the solution, but it always is con- it's always conditional by how you are. Yeah? If you hold opinions, he says, stop, you know, you don't have to seek the truth. Stop just stop cherishing your opinions. Your own opinions. What? Oh yeah. I'm having a really hard time finding the truth. Of course you are, because you have too many opinions around you. Yeah? If you stop cherishing your opinions, the truth would dawn on you, because you are the truth. <laughs> You're the living truth right now. <laughs> so it always he makes these wonderful statements, but it always brings back to you, hey, if you discriminate, that's the that creates heaven and hell. What? Oh yeah. If you make if you have a preference that creates the whole ball game. Yeah? If you really want this and really don't want that, yeah, you're going to be missing the whole picture. Yeah? So it's all really comes back to us in a way. 
And like AA is so beautiful in AA when we do an inventory process, there's usually, it's usually a four-column inventory thing where you look at, let's say, your resentments and your fears and, your, and, and how you harm people in pursuit of what you want. Let's say looking at your sexual or re- behavior. If you go to any bar or any crack house today, which I'm hoping we're not going to be going to. <laughs> but you never know. Somebody could be going. This could be the stopover point <laughs> before they start smoking crap later on today at 1 o'clock. Who knows? I don't know. The mind can make this, out of, make this into anything. You know, This can drive someone to smoke crap. A message like this. Seriously. This message can be used to beat yourself up with. That's mind-boggling to me. But that's what happens here. Yeah. If you're not in good shape, if your externals and let's say a pro of AA is in place, in place, your spiritual pursuits will be used to beat the living hell out of your mind. You'll always be measuring yourself in, as a failure and stuff like that. It would have been better never even have heard about spirituality in a sense if you don't have the right foundation for something to be built on. It's just ridiculous. So let's say where was I? The crack house. Yeah. What was before the crack house? Bar. The, the steps. Oh, the bar. So let's say they're in a bar or a crack house right now. Come on in, Jim. There's a seat over here. The people there are, have done the first two columns of the inventory. They know why they're mad and who they're mad at. You know, They're totally right. But it's not leading to any kind of relief, is it? But so AA says, no, you got to take it a little farther. Where were you? Where was your role in it? Yes? This message is in just a sense, it's just attempting to take it even farther. That you give everything all the meaning it has. You've got the biggest role of all here. Yeah? You're giving everything the meaning it has. Even the most, even the most powerful, charismatic person you fell in love with, your meaning over them overrides whatever meaning they have because they don't really have a meaning to other than the one you give them. Yeah? So all the while, like we said, living as God, we're living as God, and the gods that we're living as don't want to know it's God. You know? <laughs> we want to be like a powerless God. We want to be a victim God. We want to be a very disappointed God. We want to be an unlovable, an unloved God. You know? Seeking love in all the wrong places. <laughs> So this just takes back an idea that brought a huge amount of relief in my life, AA, when AA took me from the point of from victimhood and blame and brought me back to, hey, Paul, where was your role in all of this? Yeah? Ooh, all right. So I looked at my relationships, and let's say all my intimate female relationships were like, let's say, 12, 12 of them, and all of them failed, seemingly. And I looked at what was the one constant in all of them. It was me. Yeah. Well, in fact, your whole life brings you back to one thing. Well, like Ramana Maharshi says, all roads, and he doesn't say this, but he's basically said, if you follow everything back, it's going to lead back to the source. And voila, you're at the point of the source. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything comes back here. Now, self-centeredness tries to sort of co-opt that, because it says everything pertains not to what, but to who. It says everything pertains to me. It's the same movement. And we have the same movement all the time, but the movement is, this, is being led to another point. Our attention always comes back, yeah? Because we're self-reflecting. So when something occurs, it comes back to us. But to us, it's coming back to as a mental idea. 
the, the attention and interest within, that would enrich your life, would abide in the truth, would have you in a sense of, of a, a realization, is being, has been misdirected to a physical point called Paul. A caricature that represents a mental idea. Yeah? Where consciousness is forgotten and it is a quality that this mental idea has, so it's either unconscious or unconscious. But no, no sense of consciousness as being what's so is available in there. Yeah? It's always, I'm going to become more conscious, but I'm really, really less conscious. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point. You want to be more, but you believe you're less. You can't win in that situation. We're just saying, okay, the whole ball game is, this, is, is being dictated by where the mid is. We're just moving the mid, so to speak. We're just questioning, are we that long-lasting, independent, separate entity? And if we're not, maybe the ball, next time it's thrown, the mitt will catch it and you'll follow the ball and you'll see where the real game is. You'll see where the ball goes back to. Not to this idea of Paul, an action figure who was born and has these inabilities to be, you know, friendly to most people or whatever it may be, or <laughs> watch his own space and can't stand something or whatever like that. None of all that. that it, it's, you'll find out that it goes somewhere other than to this mental idea, this little mental myth that's catching the ball of life all day, and then claiming it to be my game, my life, my ball. Yeah? And then the world of the game goes, life is happening to me. It's not. It's life is happening. It's going to move in the same direction, but it's going to surpass the me and go into what it truly is. Nothingness, back into the experience, conscious contact of thingness, back to nothingness, instead of conscious going into thingness and then back to a thing. Going into thingness, back to a thing. No, this is the real, like the circulation, how it feels refreshed and uh, at peace, like a well-ventilated room or a well-ventilated life is thingness, nothingness, thingness, nothingness, thingness, nothingness. The mental idea has interrupted the game. It can't stop the game. It just says, here's the game. It's thing, this thing, this thing. It hits this thing, and we say, oh, it's me. This becomes the backstop. But it still keeps going this way, but our attention and interest stops here. And we get obsessed with the idea of Paul. Yeah? But the, the real, the, the energy is still going, thing, this, no thing, this. Thing, this, no thing, this. If we just see this backstop isn't us, you'll, 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 the same energy, it'll just keep moving. It'll be like water. You know, when you put on like a, a, a synthetic dam, it gets built up and then it's all this obsession builds up on it. And then that, that attention and interest, which would be ventilating light, is now causing a claustrophobic. It's all being bunched up on Paul, 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 Paul. When that dam is seen through, it just it's like a big break, and the water just goes this regular course. And now you feel relieved, you feel bigger, you feel lighter, because now it's, it's going to keep happening. You're constantly going to be things here. There's going to you're going to there's conscious contact of thoughts, of feelings, of things, yes, energies. But there's going to be the it's just the balance of no thingness, thingness, no thingness, thingness, not just thingness. That's called the loop of self-importance, yeah? The loop has been interrupted, which goes, and it's the self becomes the backstop. And then all this energy gets accumulated here, and it's just like a, it's like a dam ready to burst. 
So you've got to get relief. So you shop, or you do this, and you do that. You've got to find some outlet to let some of this energy, because there's just way too much about you. <laughs> it's just way overboard. You need some freaking relief. You know what I mean? You go in the water, you get a little relief, but then it's, did anyone see me surfing? You know, it's always about you. It just keeps, everything comes to be about you. And it gets fucking boring and stagnant and it's like uh, petrified, yeah? When the only way you can really feel the Alam Vital of life is the fluidity of it, the movement of it, yeah? That's the relief from the bondage of self. The attention and interest is, has that natural movement to go there. You don't have to try to build a new highway back to nothing. It already knows the path, Yeah? It goes out from real reality, meets itself in all these things, and goes back to reality. That's called the abidance in truth. That's where it finds its rest, when so it can participate in all this stuff, yeah? But if we block it off, then look at all the mental neuroses that are building. Look at all the stuff that are happening now. All of these, all this accumulation of, of it not being able to follow its natural flow is just a, is the petri dish for all this unrest, all the irritability, all the dis-ease, all the discomfort, all the, the slavery of just constantly feeling that the hand of time on your back moving you into the next moment, hoping it's going to be better than the last one, and hopefully moving you to the mythical moment where you arrive and everything will be great and stabilized, which never occurs. You always, every arrival is just another departure. It's never, every mythical there, as soon as you arrive, is a here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's never going to be enough. It's a form of slavery. And you want damp, you want relief, and you'll get it no matter what it costs. Like in, for me as an alcoholic, I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow <clears throat> not to feel uncomfortable now. And I felt uncomfortable, and I had... I had intimate cellular sense when I was younger of being pretty relaxed and at ease when I was a kid. I grew into it. I grew into this. The dam was starting to be built with introspection. You know? Paul. This idea of Paul. One little brick at a time to a point where I was dammed up. Yeah? All the attention just falling on this mental idea and then just revolving around it. Driving the fucking poor mind crazy. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't its intention, it was trying to seek a break. It wanted to keep following its course. From consciousness of, that's consciousness as, consciousness of, consciousness as, consciousness of, consciousness as. Now it's consciousness of, conscious as, a mental idea. That's the illness. It's very freaking disturbing. Look at it, look at everyone. Then you've got this, the, the slave master of time whipping you every day. Yeah? Isn't it the truth? You can't, it says in AA, you know, something will happen where you'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. It doesn't say you'll, that peace of mind will be created. Peace of mind is available. The problem is we can't stop to enjoy it because we're on that hamster cage. We're in the hamster cage. We're constantly being moved with like this hand of time pushing us in the back. Even when we, you know, get to the point where we really want to be there, we still the conveyor belt. It's like one of those 
moving sidewalks. We can't turn, we can't stop it. It just came, I wanted to move. <laughs> you know, what? Let me you know, you know. And then what happens? I, you bought pictures you buy pictures of it. Oh I was once there. You can't seem to really embrace anything. You know, shit. To me, it's a form of slavery. It is. Enslaved to a mental idea through the mental imprisonment of the thought system. Like people tell me, they say, people say, oh, Paul, you're growing your hair longer. That's the whole subjective language used by an object description. I'm not growing my hair longer. If you don't cut it, it grows. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. Oh yeah, I'm going. You know, I'm growing today. I'm growing my hair longer. I go home. I hang up. You know, no, I have nothing to fucking do with it. I just don't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> but the language, see, it implies that you had something to do with stuff that's so absurd that you have nothing to do with. Oh, I really like it. You're growing it longer. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> what do you, Putting fertilizer on it, yes. Busy, I've spent at least two hours on it every day, growing it. You know what I mean? It's insane. But the language suddenly, or really overtly, implies that, doesn't it? All day. You don't see it? You don't see how the mind indoctrinates itself in its own trance? Through the language? Hold on, hold on. You know? All day. We're walking around hypnotizing ourselves. Literally, we are. We don't need any illusion. We're the producer of the illusion. There's nothing, there's nothing called Meyer out there. Like Meyer, the, the grand illusion, isn't a big thing looking to get us. We're the projector of it. The only thing that could give an illusion a sense of reality is reality itself. Yeah? It's not the movie that's good, it's the audience that's watching it. We're the one that's put, given it the Panavision and the Technicolor. That's the true responsibility. To respond to that ability. To recognize that you are truly giving everything all the meaning it has. How could that not be so if we're having a constant subjective experience here? Everyone's at the same event but having a different experience of it. If this was real, we'd all have the same experience of it. It would have its own quality. And we wouldn't be able to override its quality by our qualities that we're trying to give it. It's hopefully, its quality would outshine it. But nothing outshines it because it doesn't have a quality. It's as in Buddhism, it's inherently empty. Empty. We're the one that's filling it with meaning. Who else is? Do you think there's like a big thing called Satan? Blowing these fucking evil mental winds? Give me a break. We play both roles, God and Satan. We're the demon and the angels. So to me, AA was so freaking incredible to me because they defined at least closely what the problem was, which is this obsession with self. And then I heard other information that put the, the emphasis off of the idea of self, because there isn't any, but the selfing. And the mind, that's actually what's giving it the meaning. 
Yeah? The mind itself. The mind, just like in Buddhism says, the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. The same mind right now, the same mind is the only reality there is here. Yeah? I think it's great news. Yeah. I can't have a living teacher every second of the day. I wouldn't want to. Shit. Freaking drag. You know, everywhere I went, oh, I have to, oh, tell me, tell me, old wise one. You're the old wise one. Yeah. Sooner or later, you and I have to become our own authority. Sooner or later can't put the laurels on someone else like they say, if you see the Buddha on the street, shoot him, you know because you're, you're, you may be using it to throw off your Buddhahood onto someone else so that you don't acknowledge your own empowerment in a way, yeah well, like Buddha said, supposedly when he was dying be a light unto yourself he didn't say, hey, you better find someone else <laughs> he said, be a light unto yourself, man <clears throat> Don't believe anything. Check it out. Entertain it, which I did with this message. I had the, I, I had a very good sense of the problem. I lived intimately under that tyranny of obsession with self, and then I just needed the solution to be more tweaked. Where I heard this uh, accessory message outside of AA, I brought it into my experience of AA, and it illuminated the program of AA to me. A lot brought in a much more, a large, large quality of light because I'm the bearer of the light. I'm the bringer of the light. When my mind changed, the whole program changed for me because I was giving the program all the meaning it has. Before this dawned on me, I was thinking of self as something, something, something totally different than afterwards where I saw it as a foreign installment. I saw it as a parasite. I saw it as it had. It could never take true form. It could never out, override its limitations of appearing to be. Its reality is seemingly so. That's why it needs time. It needs a seeming thing called the past and a seeming thing for, to, for the future to be remembered by. Because the true sense of self is a remembrance. That's why St. Francis says it's in self-forgetting. Or Dogen said, you know, the study of Buddhism is to study the self, and the study of the self is to forget the self. Why is forgetfulness so important? Because the self is remembered. That's why the antidote is forgetfulness. You can call it lack of interest or attention. That's what it is for me. I found when it was when I started entertaining that I am not that long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I lost interest and attention in all the facilities, all the processes that were producing that or implying that sense of being Paul. I lost interest and attention in that. I didn't lose interest and attention. I just lost it in that. The interest and attention was free to start making fulfilling its circle. Yeah. So now I'm experiencing life, and then I can rest in the awareness of that. Yeah. So stillness and movement are complementary. Not, they're not opposites, in a way. The stillness of all there is, constantly resting there, and then the activity of what's happening here. That's it. 
It's the completion of the yin and yang, in a sense. It's the completion of the duality of stillness and activity. Is this loop. Yeah. And you'll know it by, you'll find out. You start traveling lighter. Yeah. You start traveling lighter here. Not because of here, but because of the no-thingness. You've, 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 the, the, the round trip is occurring. Yeah? You're not getting, you're not getting, it's not like a five stop, you know those things, you look for a good deal on the airlines, oh yeah, there's a $200 ticket, there's nine stops, it's like 18 hours to get like a two hours from here, you know what I mean, I'm going to fly to Arkansas, then Idaho, but I'm going to save money, you know, it's insane, this is like a non-stop, yeah, and it, not, it never stops, truly. It's always a living round trip. A living round trip. No destination, no landing, no departure, just always. The backstop is what interrupts it. It can't stop it. It cannot stop it. The interest and attention just gets stuck in this little knot, an imaginary knot in this loop of life. Yeah? And that knot is crowned you. Or actually a higher level, me. <laughs> Whatever, all the me's here. That becomes a place where it hits, this, and then the attention and interest coagulates around it. That's the obsession with self. Yeah? And it's rooted in identification of self. The loop gets interrupted. You're stuck now in a loop of self-importance, and it's driving you fucking crazy, basically. No matter how many great days you have, one little bad moment fucks it all up. You know what I mean? You're just dwelling on you all day. <sighs> day after day. It gets so boring, you'll watch like, you know, Groundhog, you know, fucking, what is that thing? Uh, Groundhog Day. No, the one with Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Die like Hard. Die Hard 9, you know, just keep watching. <laughs> fucking, you got to get entertained. It's, your life is, in a sense, so boring. Yeah? Just this... <laughs> It's like a it's like an album that never finishes, you know. It just gets caught in this groove, and it wants to move, but it's just, it's not the it's not the needle, it's not the album, it's the head. Yeah, this is it. Entertain another possibility. Once that flow breaks through, it will be like it never was not breaking through. Yeah. Just, you'll just, your attention will take the full round trip. Your interest will be in both levels, you know, out here and in here. And you'll feel a lot better. Much more well-balanced, yes? And that satisfaction will translate into an ease and comfort. Pursuit of happiness will become a leisurely walk. <laughs> you, won't be, you won't be enslaved as much anymore. You'll be actually here, right where you are. You'll have an immunity to what's not happening. Because it'll, you'll have a very great sense, because you can really see it's not happening if you're in what's happening. Yeah? That's the immunity to what's not happening. If you don't seem to be here, you'll be all there and then. You won't have any anchor. You won't. Yeah. But if you're here, and how can you not be here? Consciousness is moving through five gates, six gates right now. Hearing, feeling, seeing, tasting, touching, and the hearing of the thoughts or the seeing of the thoughts. Yeah, Six gates. What is, all this are siren calls, you know? 
All these are like alarms going off, like car alarms. You know how you just ignore them now? Remember that, that, that those companies must have just dried up. No one ever fucking responds to a car alarm. Do they? I never call. Oh, I heard a car alarm. <laughs> fucking goes about their business. This is what it's like. Yeah, it's all in the past and the future. Always. Oh, what's happening? What's happening? What's not happening? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. This is a pretty damn good anchor. Go smell the roads, you know? Look at where your feet are. At least acknowledge, okay, I'm here. At this point, that will produce at least a, a somewhat of an immunity to what's not happening. And this is where the downloads occur. You're not going to get a download in the past. You're getting downloads from the past all day. Yeah? So like this, we're in this linear storyline of Paul... And every moment in this linear storyline of Paul, every moment that we partitioned and separated and made different than the other moment, there's a vertical insertion of what's so. Yeah? Every freaking moment is the momentlessness of time. No time whatsoever. Yeah? Every moment that we partitioned is still contextually held by timelessness. None of the partitions mean a damn fucking thing. If you had a pause 10 years ago, it's the same pause you feel right now, and the same sense of it will be the same in 10 years. Because the pause is not of time. It's not of different situations and circumstances. It's the same sense of presence that you had when you were a young kid, when you've had your big spiritual peak experiences, when you've had those moments of Satori, all those things, a pause in AA, it's the same thing. It never changes. It's the same state. Yeah. That's reliable. Every moment in the loop is what you would call a pause. Every moment moving this round trip, there's always the pause is the underlying context of every one of them. Yeah. Drop in, pause, 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 pause. Yeah. Find rest. There's tons of rest stops on the trip. Yeah, you're resting during the trip. How many people get exhausted? They stay home all day and they're totally exhausted. There's been so much thinking went on in their room. You walk in there, it's like Exorcist Four. You know, oh Jesus Christ! You know, there's no solution in there. <laughs> we entertain the possibility the spiritual subpoena has been served here to see what happens they'll get in there they did it with me how can I don't how can I change put myself in any other kind of condition that you, you can't possibly be in if this wasn't available it wouldn't be right to share about it it wouldn't be it would just provoke more mental torture, you know? You'd use this as another spiritual ruler to not measure up to. Really, the best thing, if this wasn't available, if it, if it had to be conceived of or achieved, it would be better left not said about. Yeah? That just give the nuts and bolts and just do this and just do that. But no, it's always available at all times. Right where we are, right now. Yeah? So I feel very confident in sharing it. Because you don't need... You already have tons of solutions out there, don't you? 
you have lifestyles, everyone's got their practices and what works for them. All you need is some illumination, maybe. You don't need another path to illumination. You need what illuminates all paths. And you is that. <laughs> Use the illuminating factor in your life. How can the book seem like you read the book and it seems like a living book? You're the livingness of the book. Yeah? Your mind keeps changing. You, you keep giving different meaning to things. Not the thing. The thing isn't jumping out of the book. You know what I mean? The book is still on a page, still with the same print, still with the same ink. You're the, you give it its livingness. Yeah. How about you living, you know, give your own life the livingness? Yeah. You're the, you're, how about you becoming the essential ingredient? Not the mental idea that you're essential, the ingredient. That's totally dependent on all the other ingredients. But you are truly the essential ingredient of your own life. You truly are the source of your own satisfaction and peace. Just as you are. Not from a sense of doing and having yourself into another sense of being, because you're not doing that. You're just doing and having yourself into another mental state. You're not doing and having yourself into a state of being. You can't. You can't use doing and having to get the being. You are being. Yeah? And being is complete in and of itself. It's not of time. It's not in a production. It's not in a process. It's not waiting for a culmination or a crescendo. It's complete in and of itself. There's no time involved in it. It's not being produced. It doesn't need any time. It already is. Yeah? You have that quality right now, sitting right where you are. Just a little bit of your attention leaving that dead horse of Paul landing there, it would just, it would bloom like it was in the most, the best soil of all with the most water and the best light. That, that rose bush would just fucking bloom and the scent would be so powerful. Yeah? It's your interest and attention. It can either enslave you to the obsession with self or enrich your life by your daily experience. The same energy. Yeah? If it's captured by that dead horse of selfing, yeah, you'll be a, you know, the, the pale fire rider of the past, you know, fucking constantly seeking. <clears throat> so, yeah. This guy had a thing he gave me at this. We did an um, AA meeting, uh, like a talk, but mostly about AA in, in Jersey. So a guy came up and gave me this little bookmark, which I've lost already, but and it was uh, from some East European guy, and it said, uh, "There's a moment before where there's the stimuli and the reaction to it. There's a moment there, which is the pause of AA. Yeah, to me, there's a moment there where." You truly have choice. Now that's, I disagreed with. There's a moment there where there's another navigational system available. Yeah? Instead of this false idea of being the chooser, a surrendering of that idea and then being led or being directed. Yes? In that pause, to me. So here's the stimuli, all of this, yes? All these things. What reacts to it is consciousness. The conscious contact is the point of living, yeah? The seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Not the seer and the seen, but the seeing, yes? The seer and the seen is the story. But the seeing is the conscious contact. In that conscious contact, 
You see your original face. What's in contact is no things. That's the pause. So every moment of contact, you're revealed. What you truly are is revealed. The mind can reflect it. It's not a thing. Yeah? So what happens is, the mind has been conditioned to see things as nouns and things. So when it sees, it's, it sees nothing in its reflection, it believes it's nothing. But that's what we are. That's the original face of Zen. There is no face. Yeah? That's the pause. So every moment of conscious contact is contextually held by a pause. That's what we are. We're the pause that's holding conscious contact. Consciousness arising and having contact. We're the awareness of that. Yeah? Then there's a mental process that kicks in that takes time. So it's not at the point of conscious contact. And it tells a story about the conscious contact. And now it's a, you are the one who's in contact. You become the seer. Not the seeing, the seer. You become the, the hearer. Not the hearing, but the hearer. What you are is the hearing, and the seeing, and the feeling, and the tasting, and touching. What's doing that? We are that. But the mental process says you're a seer. It makes a noun out of it, yeah? And then it makes a noun of what's being seen, and then the living of life is truly forgotten. And then instead of having a life where you seem to have a lot of stories, you are had by one story, that you're the one who has all the stories. Yeah? You get had by a story. The mind gets had by something it made up. Yeah? It gets had by the thing it made up. And it can't seem to get out because self can't get out of self. Yeah? How, why can't self get out of self? Because if self tried to get out of self, that would be self trying to get out of self. Yeah? Because self is identification as. That's why self can't get out of self. Yeah? <laughs> Now, if it wasn't self, it could get out of self. Voila! But self can't get out of self. That's the dilemma. We have... My, my take is we've never been in self. That's even fascinating, finding the best way to get out of it. The best way to get out of something is realize you're not in it. That, to me, is what really works. But let's just say, if you were in self, you could get out of self. Yeah? And you're not self. But the thing is, we become identified as self, and we're trying to get out of self, which prohibits that, uh, that effect occurring. Self can't get out of self, yeah? So, the movements may be true, but it's been co-opted, and it's being used to circle back into the problem, yeah? So, the more you try to get out of self, the more, in a sense, you're in self. It's so fucking tricky, in a way, Yeah? And so, you can't deny the movement, because if you're in the original face, yeah, if it's, if, and the mental process arises the sense of self, it wants to move out of it. And it has a clear escape, because it's not self. Yeah? It's not, it's, it's knowledge of not being self is its escape. But we, we're, we start the escape after the fact of the heist. The heist has already occurred, now we want to get out of self as a self. And that's where we get caught, yeah? So that noble movement of wanting to get out of something that is sort of a drag, I mean, what else would you want? You know, that's a natural movement, is to try to get out of something that's really a drag, but we can't get out of it because we leave as that problem, yeah? So wherever we go, we take the problem with us. 
So the point is, is if you get to the point of conscious contact and just be aware of that, that's where the original face is. And then you see the process of selfing, not see from the process of selfing. You see it, yeah? You want to be seen from it, which is self trying to get out of self. Because you will see the drag of selfing, but if you see it as self, you're going to want to get out of it and you'll be caught in, in, in that loop, yeah? You can't get out. But this way, you see, you, you're not seeing from it, from self, you're seeing it. You're seeing the construction, the reinforcing, you see how language implies and infers that you're a self all day, like, you know, you're growing your hair longer, or, you know, oh, you know it's like, I'm going to go home and digest my food, you know? Of course not. The digestion's just happening, right? But now language could even get to that point. Oh, how are you doing today with that burrito I saw you eat last night? Right? Well, it took a couple hours. I, I was supposed to play tennis. I had to cancel because it was a grande. It was an El Grande burrito. It took longer than I thought to digest. And so I got, I was pushing it through the colon, but I had to call up. I can't make the set, you know, the match. <laughs> you know, it sounds funny, but it's just, we, so we, we take a much subtler process to be something we're doing thinking, which blows my mind. You know what I mean? It really does. I mean, how insane is that? <laughs> I'm the thinker. <laughs> I'm the feel. I didn't want to feel that, but you already felt it. <laughs> the feeling, the recognition of feeling occurs before your your dismissal. I don't want to feel that, but you did already. <laughs> I mean, you can't win in that gunfight. You know, consciousness. I mean, oh, I'm gonna learn how to trick. You know, you're always gonna lose because <laughs> you're an afterthought. You know. You're on a time delay. You start, like, in round two. <laughs> the fight's already occurred. The fight started round one. You're on a, you, You're hearing the wrong bell. <laughs> You've been knocked out, actually. You keep thinking there's 15 more rounds. You've been knocked out cold. The first round. You should have stayed on the mat. <laughs> Stay surrendered. <laughs> I still have it in. No, you don't have it in. <laughs> so, you know, from the solution, really the problem is imaginary in the sense that it can't override the limitation of appearance. It can't become so. Yes? So, when it seems to be so, then you need a solution. This is how beautiful the solution is, is that it eradicates its own importance. Yeah? Once you have to entertain the solution, you see the problem was imaginary, the solution goes too. This is about total freedom, not freedom, not one accessory, not one more ounce of extra weight that you need to carry. No, a real paring down, a real economical uh, streamlining, a real traveling lighter on a lot of levels, yeah? where the solution is even thrown out because it's not needed. Why would you need a solution to an imaginary problem? Yeah. If you hold on to the solution, it becomes a problem. You get stuck. Maybe you get dogmatic. Now you think and you become like a, a non-dual, uh, I call them non-dual Pharisees. Yeah? They argue with the words and they miss the meaning of the whole thing, the spirit of it. Spirit is freedom, not to be, you said I. <laughs> you're still you're still trapped. You said me. Yeah. How am I supposed to say what I was? Doing? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, so you you're doing pretty good there, but you put a me in there. Fuck, you're out. <laughs> you know. 
So, any questions today? I'm happy to be home, really. Yes. When you talk about the the myth where you get stopped, is that kind of like to use your phrase the the petri dish of neurosis is born out of that? Yes. Yes. Right there. Obviously. Yeah. What happens when you see? Just look at any energy. Look at water when it gets dammed up and stagnant. What happens? Things start growing in it, right? They can't grow in it when it's moving, but when it stops, things start growing in it. And then the surface gets covered and it loses its quality of reflecting. If the surface is full of algae and plankton, it can't reflect the the sky or the light. You know what I mean? All you see is that plankton on top. Same, Same thing with energy. You know, when energy gets stuck somewhere, it starts causing disease in the body. Yeah, that's the whole thing with acupuncture stuff, is to move the chi. Yeah? When the energy gets caught in a joint or something, arthritis may start occurring, stuff like that. It's all, anything that gets pent up, and, uh, and let's say it's, its nature or tendency is to move, and it loses that, then other things start living off of that new quality of stagnation. Yeah? Look at that. Look at the mind. Yeah, it needs to be flowing, in a sense, and it is flowing. Yeah, we just put the mind, the mental process just put, tries to put. It wants to instead of it wants to create its own like racetrack instead of going with the, the on the oval of the of life. It wants to start. This is where it all begins and ends, Paul. Yeah, and then that energy coagulates around there. And then that idea of Paul becomes like a weather vane for a lot of disease. And obviously, look at what's happening with people. Yeah? More neuroses, more shit going on and on because the energy's pent up. It's not able to move. If you're all, can you imagine all your interest and attention, which you can see the most beautiful sunsets with, you know? You can, you know, it can go so far. If it's constantly being brought back to a mental point called Paul, like this historical figment of a story, and just all of it's constantly reflecting there, it's like putting a magnifying glass on a bug when you were young, and you forgot the sun was right over your shoulder, and you burned the fucking thing. You just want to see it, but now you're burning it because there's so much power coming into the glass. That's how powerful the mind is, you know? The mind is incredibly powerful. We are we're inc- we we are uh, we're at a very incredible point. We're like a threshold of non-manifest to manifest, and uh, we're facilitating an event here. We're the interface, and what's th- what's on this side is unbelievably unfathomable, and uh, I would say not to be trifled with. To put like a false god in front of it. And let all the interest attention go to that false idol is gonna really burn up the false idol pretty damn good, I'd say. Yeah. You know, anytime the mind wants to take a position, it's setting up a false idol in a way. This is more just like it's just like a flow. You know. And then you see everything else flows. The thought system actually flows. In a way, it comes and goes. Feelings come and go. Everything comes and goes. You know, we want to make this the one thing that stays all the time. 
preoccupied in the mental condition, this idea of Paul, it's just not suitable for this place, yeah? Like, if you ever read Taoism, they always say, you know, follow the way. And if you can't find the way, look at nature. It's a pretty good indication. And you see how things change and everything develops with coordination with everything else. To be an island here is just a very lonely, isolated uh, place, you know? To see that all and everything is part of all and everything is a much nicer way to go. Brings you a, you know, a calmer demeanor, so to speak. And then you know the tree by the fruit. I mean, if it's working for you, just keep entertaining it. The mind is coming out of like a very, uh, like a mental yogic posture, you know? Like the only asana it practices is self-centeredness like this. And this is this whole practice of yoga. It's having trying to have union with a fucking crazy idea. <laughs> Me. You know. And then you hear this idea, this message, and what happens is the mind opens up to, to entertain it. And in the entertaining it, then it gets a sense of its own size. Yeah? It's not the message. It's, the, it's the what's hearing the message. That's the real message, is what's hearing the message. Yeah? And of course, when it starts going like this, it's going to, not intentionally, it's just going to dispute all the stories your little mental head has about you. It's just going dispute, to dispute them, not intentionally. It's just, because of its, its own nature, it's going to override the false sun, you know? It's not, it's not intending to do that. That's why it's just obvious. So... Then you leave that failed system and your mind moves to a, a, system, a system that fucking works, trusting something infinite. Yeah, instead of something finite. Yeah, what do you mean by responsibility? I think that, yeah, respond to the ability. I mean, one thing that blew my mind early on was that lesson two of the, of the Course in Miracles, which was. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. That explained a whole lot to me. Because how could this place be real if my meaning about it overrides it? <laughs> you know? I would have to say I'm the only reality here. In a sense. I'm lending that reality to many things based on, let's say, an ignorant view. I'm lending my own reality out and in that lending it, I may forget my reality and give these things the power to affect me, which this is what I've done, in a sense. Not Paul's done, but, you know, the, the event. I'd like that information. It's nice to find out. Yeah? It can empower one. So, yes, that's it for today. Yeah?